You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for Christian writers who are ready to conquer what's holding them back. I'm Nika Maples, and this is episode 66. Your backup plan is the tell. This episode is all about commitment. You have to have commitment to be able to write a book. Recently, I decided to move from my current apartment complex. And you may have heard a previous episode where I talk about the, the trash dumpster is far away from the actual place that I have my front door in my current apartment complex. And I have to walk a long way and the parking lot is slanted. And every time I take out the trash, I envision myself rolling down the hill with a bag of trash (laughs) in my clutches. And I, I said, look, I need to move anyway. I've chosen to move anyway. So I'm going to look for exactly what I need. I'm gonna explore my options, keeping in mind that I want the dumpster to be close enough that it's not really an issue for me to walk and and drop off my trash. So I want you to understand the importance of making a decision as a writer. And I have learned, I have cultivated the ability to make a decision and stick with it. And it begins in your normal everyday life with limiting your exploration time. I decided I'm going to limit my exploration time to two weeks. That's enough time to find the apartment that you want. So I'm going to explore options for two weeks. And at the end of the two weeks, I'm going to make a decision. Here's just some news for you. If you think that you're still exploring options after two or three years of deciding which topic to write on or of deciding which agent to apply to, like to to investigate or whether you'll self-publish or traditional, you're not really exploring options anymore when you hit the two-year mark or anything like that. You are avoiding the work. That's my honest advice to you and admonition because I've done it myself. I have avoided so much work by spinning in indecision, but indecision always drains you of what you need to accomplish the task. It drains you of mental fortitude. It drains you of emotional energy. It drains you of everything that you need to stick with the thing that God has called you to do. And that's the only decision that really matters is, are you going to respond to his call? Yes or no? So beyond that, there are some choices to make, but make them. So in my real life, I try to strengthen my decision-making muscles by making decisions on purpose in a given time frame. So I said, here's my, I'm taking the time to explore these apartments. And then at the end, I'm going to make a decision. So I looked at all my different options. I found one apartment complex that had all four things that I was looking for. I wanted an attached garage because I'm telling you, I have really struggled this year being, walking from my parking lot to my door out in the elements, getting rained on, wind almost blows me over. I mean, it makes me lose my balance, wind. 
And so I, I would like an attached garage. I really would like a patio, I decided. Some kind of outdoor space, a, a balcony, a patio, something, because during the COVID lockdown, I'm living in an apartment currently that has no, nothing like that. And so I'm like, I couldn't even go outside. I kind of felt not claustrophobic. I'm not gonna make it that big of a deal. It just was like, wow, I can't even go sit on my porch and, and drink coffee. And I felt kind of enclosed during the lockdown. And even after it was lifted, I still am like, I wanna be able to go outside when I do some of my writing. So I knew I wanted a patio. Next, I wanted first floor. My current apartment doesn't have a full staircase to go up to my apartment, but a kind of a short one. And it causes me issues. There, I mean, there are issues. I, I have to hold onto a railing so I can only take something that will fit in one hand. So it takes me a long time to bring in groceries because I can only fill one hand with bags. The other hand has to be holding on the railing to go up the stairs. All of it is not disability friendly. And so, yeah, I wanted a first floor apartment. And then the fourth point was I wanted the dumpster to be close enough to the apartment complex that I did not, and also not down a slant, <laughs> not down a slant. So I found one that had all of those things, an attached garage, a patio on the first floor. And not only was the dumpster close, I didn't even have to use the dumpster because this apartment complex had a feature, an amenity that no other apartment complex around had. They called it trash valet. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with trash valet, but the other apartment complexes I've checked out don't have this. And it's where they said, if you bring your trash bag to the front door and just put it right outside your front door at eight o'clock PM, five days a week, someone will come and pick it up at 9 p.m. and put it in the dumpster for you. We come around and collect all the trash for our residents. Now, look at what they did. I wanna take a little diversion real quick and apply this to your writing. Look at what they did, because this apartment complex does not have all the upgrades that the others around it happen to have. And it's not the lowest price of those around it either. It's exactly the same price as the other apartments around it. And they could have said, oh man, we're trying to charge the same price as the other apartments around us, but the other apartments around us have upgrades. They have all the different upgrades that make the, their people want to sign a lease with them. We, we're not doing that right now. What could we offer that wouldn't cost you know, a million dollars to do the whole complex. Well, how about we just pick up their trash? And instead of we just calling it trash pickup, hey, trash pickups at 8 p.m., instead let's call it trash valet. And then it really feels like substantial amenity, a real benefit. And it was to me. I mean, the second they said it, I was like, what are you kidding me? I just have to put the trash outside my door? And somebody's going to pick it up for me? And they said, yeah, yeah. I went, done, done. This is the place I want to be. I don't even have to look at any of the others. I, I want this place. Now, I, I, my diversion for you is when you are, are looking to write your book and you're tempted to say, these bo the books on my topic have already been written. 
books on my topic are, there's nothing more to say. Or, um, I don't do it as well as so-and-so. They, that, when you look at, I don't know, Lisa Turkhurst, when you look at Priscilla Shire, when you look at Beth Moore, when you look at all those writers and you say, I'm not in their league. They do it a lot better than what you're doing is saying what the, you're, it'd be like you going, oh, the, the apartment complex next door has all the upgrades. They're doing it better. So that means we can't sell any apartments simply because the, the apartment complex next door has upgrades? No. You say, what can we do? What can we do to sell apartments? That's commitment. This is about commitment, this episode. Say, so that's commitment when you say, okay, so fine. I'm not Priscilla Shower. What can I do? What can I do to be different? Maybe I don't have the upgrades of uh, having name recognition or a platform yet. That's the upgrade. I wish I had, I could do, but I don't. So what can I do instead? And this apartment complex was like trash valet, just this little thing that's going to make a big difference to some people. And others will be like, I don't need any trash valet. I'd rather have the upgrades. I'd rather have the stainless steel appliances and the granite countertops and the hardwood floors. I'd rather have all that. You can keep your trash valet. I'll take my own trash to the dumpster to have a nicer place. But for some people, they're like, I want it. That's perfect for me. That's your voice. Your voice is different from Beth Moore's. Your voice, your particular style, your your stories are yours, not hers. And that's your special amenity. That's your um, key benefit. That small little thing that makes you different from the others around you. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to cost you so much to upgrade your platform. Just offer a little something different and the right people are gonna think it's a big deal and they'll want your book. So when I when I moved forward with the apartment complex and I said to the the leasing agent, yes, I'd like to um, I'd like to rent an apartment here. And she said, Oh, well, I mean we have the four things that you're wanting. Attached garage patio, first floor trash valet. We have all those, but Currently, we have no first floor apartments that have an attached garage. So here are your choices. You can have a second floor apartment that has an attached garage and a patio and a trash valet, but it wouldn't be on the first floor. Or you can have a first floor apartment that has a patio and trash valet, but it wouldn't have an attached garage. Those are your options. And I said, hmm, hmm. Well, no, now that I know this exists, that there are apartments that have all four, I'm gonna wait. I'm not gonna accept the no, I'm gonna wait for the yes. And she said, well, but here's the thing, we only have six. There are only six in existence in this complex that have all four things you want. And so, you know, the likelihood that one of those six is gonna open up is, it's not, it's not very likely. And these people have enjoyed their spot for a long time. If I were you, I'm, I might go for one of the other uh, 
you know, apartments that are available here. I said, no, I, I really want one of those that has all four that I'm looking for because I made my decision about that. So I'm going to stick with my decision even after the no. And I'll, I said, put me on a waiting list. She said, okay, I'll put you on a waiting list. And I said, I'm serious. Put me on a waiting list for one of those six apartments. She goes, absolutely. I'm not promising that it's going to happen anytime soon. I said, that's okay because I can wait. And here's what I did. I left and I said, I'm sticking with my decision. I already had my two weeks of exploring options. Case closed. I had made my decision. This is the one I want. When you decide, this is what I'm doing. I'm do this is what I'm doing. I'm moving ahead with this. Then you stick with that decision even after you hear no. And you wait for the yes. And it might come quickly, it might come slowly, but you stick with it. And I think what most people do is they make their decision. Oh, I decided that I'm going to go with traditional publishing. I decided that. I've explored my options. I've decided that. And then the second they hear a no, they're like, oh, back to deciding. Back to options. Should I self-publish now? Should I? Or they decide, okay, I'm going to explore my options about topics for my book. And they decide I'm going with this topic and then one day their their uh the page tells them no because they sit down and they try to write a chapter it's like it's just not coming today that's kind of a no must be a no on this topic I I'm gonna go back to deciding and they spin an indecision again and I I tell my book coaching clients okay do you realize that you accepted a no from a page? The page said, nothing here, nothing here today. And you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to go back to indecision. The very thing that's going to drain you of the mental fortitude and emotional energy that you need to fill that page. So you got to stick with, once you decide on that topic, you just you stick with that topic and you finish the book. And then you can explore new options for a different topic, but just because you hit a struggle, you hit a roadblock, you hit a no, does not mean that you go back to indecision. That's worse. Indecision is worse. It's not a good place to be. Avoid it at all costs. Like I, I, I really believe that you should avoid indecision at all costs. Get strong at decision making. Get strong. And Instead of saying, I'm deci you, you, you decide that you're going to have a, a period of time to explore options and never let it get to the point of indecision. Never. Let, no, don't even call it indecision. It's a period of time that you have decided is the period of time that you're going to explore options and then you decide which option to take at the end of it. And then you stick with it. So I knew I was going to go indefinitely waiting on these apartments. Because, and I, here's why. We don't want the discomfort that comes with sticking with the decision. And I knew there would be discomfort because my lease was up, see, at the end of this month. And I knew I was going to have to go to a month-to-month -month option while I waited for this apartment to open. And that month-to-month -month option was going to be um, 
a couple hundred dollars more, as we know it is. When you go month to month instead of signing the, the year lease, you're paying more. And that was going to be uncomfortable for me. It was going to be uncomfortable for me not knowing month to month if it was going to open up for me. All of that was discomfort, but discomfort is the price of a dream. If you want something, you're going to have to be uncomfortable to get it. That's what no one wants to hear. If you want something, you're going to have to be uncomfortable to get it, period. That, that's the exchange. You have to be willing to endure the discomfort. So I knew, okay, well, if I have made this decision and if I'm going to really wait for it, I'm going to pay more each month. And I'm going to, what's that going to make me do? It's going to make me pray. It's going to make me pray, Lord, let that apartment open up. Provide, provide for me, Lord. I believe that you led me to this decision, so I'm sticking with this, this decision. So there was no backup plan. That's what I'm saying. There was no, okay, well, but if it doesn't come through in three months, if it doesn't come through in six months, my backup plan is I'm going to go to this apartment complex. I did not have a backup plan because the backup plan is the tell that I'm not really committed. It would have been the giveaway that mm, you don't really want this, do you? No. I really wanted it. I already told you it was a disability issue. It had to do with me walking in the wind and rain in the, in the, in the elements. It had to do with me struggling with a bag of trash, a daily activity. Well, I mean, that's a daily activity. It's a, I wouldn't taking out the trash daily, but that's an everyday activity for people. I couldn't avoid doing it. I was going to be doing it regularly. And it was not safe for me. I had to be committed. I wasn't taking another option. And that is what you have to do with your writing. It's saying, I'm not, I'm not going to have a backup plan. I'm doing this. I'm absolutely doing it. Because there is no backup plan. God is the backup plan. <laughs> he's, the, he's not exactly the backup plan. He's the whole plan. He's the whole plan. And he will back you up when things go awry. So you trust him and you go wholeheartedly in the direction that you think he's leading you to. Because we pray about things. That's the thing with indecision. Oh, under the um, disguise of praying about it, uh, behind the facade of praying about Oh, I'm praying about it. Oh, are you... Are you Deciding such as, oh, I'm praying about it. Well, why? Uh, tell me, what is your book about? Oh, I'm praying about it. We, we, what, what apartment complex are you moving to? I'm praying about it. What, we don't make a decision and we use the excuse of praying about it when really, really, God, God knows that time is ticking on your life. He knows when your last day is. That's the one thing you, that's the one piece of information you never have. As you're exploring options, the one piece of information you will never have is the day your life ends. But he knows it. And he knows when the time is ticking. So he's not going to be like, if you're praying about it, he's not going to be going, 
I think I'm going to make her wait about six more weeks. Then I'm going to tell her which way to go. I think I'm going to make her wait a year. And then I'm going to tell her which way to go. He gives you your daily steps to take. Daily steps to take. Manna rained down from heaven daily. Except for Sundays. Except, or Sabbath. Except for Sabbath. And um, the bread of life which is Jesus, rains down daily, including Sabbaths, <laughs> for you, and he will give you your answers. Now, he doesn't give you the whole plan sometimes. He gives you that day's plan, and you execute it. And I knew that my day's plan was you, made it, you, made, you ask him to guide you to an apartment. He guided you to one that had four awesome options. You stick with it. So I waited a week, one week, I waited a week. And I was like, well, I feel, I feel like somebody who's committed, really committed, like there is no backup plan would call and check, but she, I don't want to make a fool of myself. I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to, I don't want to, um, be somebody that they talk about in the apartment office like she's calling i hadn't even called once mind you but i i've said but somebody who's committed and has no backup plan would call and i said no 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 i asked her to put me on the wait list so i'll just leave it like that she's gonna call me she is she is and then i said but someone who is committed with no backup plan is going to call so I called and I said, hey, my name is Nika Maples. I came in last week. I don't think you were the one I was talking to, but I was talking to somebody who I was checking on a first floor apartment with an attached garage and a patio and the trash valet, all of that. Uh, do you have any openings? And this woman said, yes, one just became available. I, wait, 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 wait. I don't think you understood what I'm saying. Like, um, I'm talking about with these four things, and, and the woman I talked to before said there were only six. I'm talking about one of those. There's only six of them that are on the first floor. She, she said, that, I know. I know it. We have one that just came open. I mean, let it sink in. Let it sink in. If I had accepted that, no. When she said, oh, these don't come open very often. And if I said, oh, I just can't wait. I just can't be uncomfortable. I can't go month to month. I can't, I can't pay a little more to wait on this. I can't, I can't be uncomfortable with a little more walking through the rain and, and dealing with the trash. I can't do this any longer. And I would have walked away. And nobody called me. Waiting list, schmating list. <laughs> Nobody called me, and it was because I was committed, and I said, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to call her, and boom, it was open. I never did have to pay a month-to-month -month rent in my apartment. It came open in a week. All right, look, when it comes to your writing, you have to stay committed to it. When you decide on it, give yourself a window to explore topics and then make a decision. And when you hit that obstacle, you push through it because discomfort is the price 
of your dream. That's the path to it. If you don't go through discomfort, you're taking a wrong, you're, that's the wrong map. You're not going to get there because it always goes through discomfort. With my writing, now I am not telling you to quit your day job. I'm not saying, hey, that's plenty of people have done that and it has been a mistake. And I did that once and I'm not saying it was a mistake, but I am saying I wasn't ready. All I did was quit my day job and then I wasn't committed to the writing. I knew the whole time I can always go back to teaching. I can always go back to teaching. In fact, I will go back to teaching if this writing thing doesn't work out. Well, because I had the backup plan, I didn't work on the writing. I didn't make it work out because I had a backup plan. Do you see the subtle mental shift that is required? I quit my day job in a classroom and I said, I'm going to be a writer, but I can always go back to teaching if I need to. And that meant that one idea stopped me from becoming a full-time writer. I ended up going back to teaching. Uh, not once, but twice did went through the same pattern of knowing I need to be committed to the process of being a writer. But every time it got uncomfortable, every single time it got uncomfortable, I wasn't willing to go through it. Not to the extent that is required. And finally, I know, this is how I know I'm committed. I'm going to be a writer for the rest of my life. That's what God has called me to. I accept my calling. I'm not pulling a Jonah anymore and running away from it. I trust that he sees in me what needs to be there and that he's willing to develop in me the things that aren't there yet. And I, and I believe that it's up to him, that I am cooperating, I am participating, and that he's going to handle it. If he called me, he's my rabbi, he's my leader, he's going to take me where I need to go as long as I stay his disciple. And I'm willing to go through the discomfort that it takes as he cultivates my calling in me. And this is how I knew I was committed. Because one day I realized my teacher's certificate had expired and I wasn't going to do anything about it. My Texas teacher's certificate has expired and I'm like, but I don't need it anymore. And it's tempting to think, well, because I was Texas teacher of the year, that needs to be part of my identity. But that was, that was a step along the way. That wasn't my identity. My identity is a child of God. I can teach or not teach as a child of God. I can write or not write as a child of God. I believe that in my identity as a child of God, I'm fully empowered to do whatever he calls me to do. And he's calling me to write. And I'm going to trust that even on the days when I feel uncomfortable. So here's how you can be committed. This is in your real life, personal life, daily tasks, but really I want you to apply it to your writing as well. Number one, explore options for a limited time. Even making a decision about the time you will explore options is making a decision. 
So it's important. Never leave it indefinite how long you're going to explore options. For a topic, for a for publishing options, for a marketing plan, whatever it is, never leave it wide open. Say, I'm going to decide at the end of this period of exploration. Number two, make a decision on one option. Don't leave that exploration time saying, okay, well, it's down to this or this. That's what I used to think making a decision was. If I looked at the, at the panoply of options and I came away with two, okay, I've decided it's either this or this. Well, then you haven't decided. You're leaving options open and that's like um, the spinning rainbow wheel on a Mac. It's like thinking, thinking, thinking. Don't you hate it when your computer is thinking? You're like, get, open it, open the program. Open the soft, come on, get with it, get there. Or that little bar that when the internet is like making a connection and you're like, speed it up, open the page, open the page. All of that is what your brain is doing when you're considering options. And that is, that's called spinning an indecision. And it's not anything but draining. It drains you. of mental fortitude and emotional energy. It brings confusion where a decision brings clarity. And you never think, well, did I make the right decision? Because then you're back in indecision. If you say, did I make the right decision? Then you're back in indecision. No, you say, I'm gonna, this is gonna be the right decision. This is, I'm making this the very best thing possible for me. This is going to be the right decision because I'm going to be the person I need to be inside this decision. I'm going to be, have full clarity, mental fortitude, and emotional energy to take on the task that is sitting right in my lap. And then the third, not accepting the no. You don't have to accept a no. It's just uh, a redirect okay, go back and try again, do it a different way. So I spoke to the woman in person. I got to know my redirect was okay. And I uh, put me on a waiting list. She said, okay, days passed. That's basically a no every day. And then redirect. Okay, let me try something different. I'm going to try calling her, but I'm still, I'm still being committed to this decision. You can Stay true to the decision that you've made and, and someone can say no and their decision does not affect your decision. God gave people free will. He gave people free will. And they have a right to make a decision. An agent has a right to make a decision about you and your work. And the thing that makes agents and publishers so successful and fantastic over what they do is because they make decisions. They don't sit there and go, well, I don't know if I should go. Should I bet on this writer or not bet on this writer? Or should, I, should I go with it or not go with it? You know what? There are so... Um, one time I went to a, like a, a speaker's night. There was just a one-time like author's speaker's night 
where Catherine Stockett, the author of The Help, was just speaking and a couple of friends of mine went and she held up a stack. She said, here are all my rejection letters. Nobody wanted the help. Nobody wanted it. And she said, then this publisher, you know, accepted it. And then obviously a movie came out of it. And she said, I wonder if they regret having passed on me. And I, you know, I think they probably don't. I mean, they probably just move on because they have other decisions to make. And maybe they look back and chuckle and be like, man, we passed on the help. Can you believe that? But so what? They made the decision. They have, they've made other decisions that really panned out as well, that, that panned out well. And some decisions don't pan out well. So what? It's better to make a decision than to spin in indecision. So writers can be just as strong as agents and publishers. And we can say, that's okay if you say no. I'm glad you made a decision. Great. Watching you make a decision strengthens my ability to make a decision. And so my decision is to keep on trying to get this book into the hands of people who will publish it. And I'm going to keep doing it. And then number four. So number one, you explore your options for a limited time. Number two, you make a decision about one option. Never leave without making a decision about one option. Number three, you don't have to accept the no. Don't accept it. And number four, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable because discomfort is the direction toward your dream. Ah, I finally got it all alliterated. Discomfort is the direction toward your dream. If you're heading in the direction of something that's a little more palatable, a little more comfortable, then you're going the wrong direction. Discomfort is the direction. And here's what it looks like. It's accepting the work that it might take. It's gonna take work to sit down at a laptop at your regularly scheduled time, even when you don't feel like it. It's gonna take work to, to manipulate your mind around the blank page to generate something to put on the, play, the page. Um, it also requires that you accept how long it may take. You accept the work that it might take and you accept how long it might take. People sometimes say, well, I would like, I mean, I, I, I know that in my writing course, I supply writers with everything they need to write their book in six months. That's what I know. I am supplying you a kit to absolutely this kit, this course, you, you have everything you need to write your book in six months. And but the thing is, you can hand somebody a kit and they may or may not put it together. So, you know, I, if you buy a, a kit to make a gingerbread house and then it just sits there on your counter, it's not the gingerbread house maker's fault. They made the kit for you and it, it, everything you need to make a gingerbread house was available to you. And it's not going to become a gingerbread house until you put together the kit. So how long is that going to take? Some, I've seen some people put together a gingerbread house 
lightning speed. And maybe kids will do that sometimes. They just slap together a gingerbread house. But I've seen some people get really artistic with it, really creative, and it'll take them a couple hours to make a really good gingerbread house. It's up to you how long the kit takes you and whether you enroll in the Keep Writing course and get that kit or whether you just do it your own way with somebody else's program or with by yourself, however long it takes is up to you and you have to accept how long it takes. And I have people who say, well, if I can't write my book in six months, then what's the point? I'm like, what's the point? I mean, seriously, can I ask you, if you had a book in your hand in two years, would you be glad you did it? I would. It doesn't matter that it would take six months or two years. Getting it in your hands and having that moment of completion is worth however long it takes. So you accept the work that it's going to take to get there and you accept however long it might take. If it takes longer than you expected, so what? So what? And the other thing about the discomfort, because the work's going to be discomfort, uh, it's going to be uncomfortable. The length of time is going to be uncomfortable, and then you have to accept the exposure that it might bring. Because writing really makes you feel exposed. It makes you feel vulnerable. It makes you feel. Um, it just makes you feel naked to write because you, your emotions are going to be exposed. That you don't feel adequate, well, then you've got to work on that. You've got to address emotions that are exposed by the writing. So the question to ask yourself is, is the work that I'm about to do worth it? If, if it is... And if yes is your decision, then you have to be willing to be uncomfortable, to accept the work it might take, to accept how long it might take, to accept the personal exposure that it might bring to write. Because writing a book requires the willingness to be uncomfortable. That's the price of admission into the land of being an author. That's the price of admission. I'm willing to pay it. <laughs> Are you? Hey there. It's a joy to work with Christian writers when they enroll in my signature program, the Keep Writing course. It's a unique faith-based combination of writing instruction and coaching. In it, I give you everything you need to write your book in six months. It only opens a few times a year, and at the time of this recording, the doors are open for three more days. So make the commitment to yourself, and let's do it. Go to nikamaples.com right now and click on Courses to Enroll.